congregation, the Lord is telling me to tell you that oftentimes you have heard the word of God and he has stirred up your heart to, be, to belong to one of the units, maybe it's praying units, maybe it's some other unit, and God has stirred up your eyes and oftentimes you have gone in and you have come out again. God is asking that you go back to that calling and that vineyard where he has placed you, and it's from there that your blessings will come. Father, I give you praise. Your word has been rendered. Put your hands together for Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we want to thank you. We want to exalt your holy name. The Bible says, you adore yourself in the midst of your congregation. And you said, these people have I formed for myself. They will show forth my praise. Eternal Father, may we show forth your praise in the life that we live. May we show forth your praise in the very calling that you have assigned us to. May we show forth your praise in the way we speak. May we show forth your praise in our thoughts life. 
May we show forth your praise in our interaction with humans. May we show forth your praise in every department of life. That your name alone may be glorified, Father. Let your presence be magnified in this place. For Lord, you have said, if I be be lifted up above the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Be lifted up today, Lord, and draw all men unto you, blessed Father, that the power of Satan may be broken asunder. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you because you have hidden me in in the cross of Calvary, that you and you alone might speak and be heard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus as you, as you sit down. May we sit in the presence of God. Turn your Bibles with me to 1 Kings, 8, 1 Kings 3, and I'll read from 3 to 15. 1 Kings 3. 1 Kings chapter 3, I'll read from verse number 3. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of David his father, only he sacrificed and burned incense in high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place, a thousand bond offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God asked, God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the, in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people, that cannot be numbered or counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding how to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And his speech pleased the Lord, that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thy enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And as I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, but riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways, and to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and offered a burnt offerings, and offered peace offerings, and made a feast to all his servants. Praise the Lord. In the walk with God, there are deep things, there are secret things that belong unto God. In fact, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says that secret things belong unto God. But those that are revealed unto us are for us and for our children. So there are deep things that belong to God. Yesterday I was reading this passage and I was amazed at the, the the vast revelation that is stored in this area. God, as you know, is a God of pattern, a God of paradigm. He is fixed to patterns. So it's the Bible that explains the Bible. God does not need an advocate. The Bible explains the Bible. And that's why he said, he said study the word. And then when you study the word, the Bible says to be approved of God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Because in the word there is power, in the word there is revelation, in the word there is life, the word of God is stored with everlasting revelation. God is speaking always. Our God is a noun God and he speaks always. And that is the same reason why Jesus was always using parables. 
Because he knew that there are those who want to go extra mile to probe into the deep things of scripture to want to find out what the Lord has said. So he speaks in parable. So he said, you don't cast good things or pearls to swine. You don't do that. You will cast gold to those that know the value of gold. And so Jesus Christ was using parables. In Proverbs 32 and verse 3 and verse 32, the Bible says, For the forward is abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. The secret things of God are with the righteous. To the forward, the Bible says, it's abomination. You wouldn't know. That's what the Bible says, the carnal mind cannot discern the things of the spirit. They are foolishness unto the carnal mind. So, when you hear the word of God, you have to be like the Berean church. The Bible says they search the scriptures whether those things that were said were so. And they were honorable people, honorable men, honorable brethren. So the scripture is so important to our lives. If you must prosper, if you must spiritually grow, if you must be healthy in the Lord, then the scripture must be your fulcrum, must be your pivot, must be your center. The test is the team. It must be the central point of your life. You have to study the word of God. The prophets of old, they did the same thing. The apostles of old, they did the same thing. Every single man of God, a woman of God that God mightily used for exploits, did the same thing. The Bible even says that the glory of the latter house is greater than the former. In other words, the power and the presence and the glory of God is more intense even in our days. Thank God we are living at this time. Thank God you and I are living at this time. And you and I are worthy apostles. I didn't hear you. I said you and I are worthy apostles. Amen. It means you have to live the life of an apostle. That's the meaning. That's the meaning. Now, when I look at 1 Kings 3 and start to read from that verse, I see a load of revelation. I see a son, the son of David, that knew the scriptures. And so he listed the scripture in every single statement that he made before God. He was very careful of the words he was using. They were very sensitive words. And he knew he was standing before God. He never knew it was a dream of the, of, of the night. He was standing before God. And every single word he made had, was, you know, was loaded with volume of revelation. When I go to 1 Kings 3, the Bible says in verse 3, And Solomon Love the Lord. That is a thesis statement. That is the central focus of every other thing that comes thereafter. Solomon loved the Lord. I love that. There was a great man of God, at least a great man of God that said, After my death, the only testimony I want people to know of me is that I loved the Lord. What a wonderful testimony. And here Solomon, the Bible says, the testimony of God concerning Solomon is this, that Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the status of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places. He loved the Lord. What a wonder. What a beauty. He loved the Lord. The Bible says, and the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. A thousand bond offering did Solomon offer Upon the altar, 1,100 times 10. If you see rams and rams and rams and rams and rams and rams, 1,000 rams for sacrifice, one singular man. Just one singular man. 1,000, not 100, not 200, not 300, not 400. Solomon sacrificed. Do you see the, the deep love Solomon had for God? The passion, the craving, the yearning to know the God of Israel that he also is my God. My father served him and I'm ready to serve him and give him all my life. And so Solomon sacrificed 1,000 rams, burnt offerings for God. What intense love. Beyond descriptions. Solomon loved the Lord. I love that. This gives you an insignia to just tell you that 
Indeed, that is the depth of love that Solomon has for God. 1,000 bond offerings, my God. 1,000 bond offerings. And now, what, what happened? Look at verse 5. And in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give thee. So, something has moved God to come in the dreams of the night to visit Solomon. Love. He loved the Lord with passion. He sacrificed everything he had. Yesterday we were talking and he said, whatever you give to God, if it does not cost you nothing, it will never cost God nothing. Whatever you give to God must cost you something. You have taken something out of your hand. You know that it's much. It's big. So it troubles you. Yes, it's good. You can cremate and, I mean, gnash your teeth and do all that. Wonderful. The blessings are coming. Praise the Lord. It's the same thing David said. So this man had sacrificed this number of burnt offerings unto God. And God now visits him by night. And he, asks, and he says, ask what I shall give you. Open check. You can ask for the life of your enemies. You can ask for money. You can ask for a long life. You can ask for a life of prayer. God says, I give you an open check. What was God doing? God was looking at the intent of the heart of a man. It's the same thing God is doing to you. It's the same thing God is doing to me. When you go to your prayer closet and God said, ask what I shall give you. That is the test of sonship. And God tested him and watch what Solomon said now. In verse 6, and Solomon said, thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father. God said, you ask what I'm going to do for you. And he went down the history, knowing fully well that he did not merit that throne. So he was standing on the platform, and the platform of his father, David, he understood covenant. That is a Davidic covenant. God said, once have I spoken, twice you have had power belong unto God. But he now says that my covenant will I not break nor alter the things that I have spoken. That's what God says concerning David in Psalm 89 and verse 34. God said that. So he now zeroes in on that, knowing fully well that there is the sure mercies of David. And God said, I will never lie unto David. In other words, David will never be disappointed that a man will come upon his throne and I know I'm going to have covenant with him. And he zeroes in on that covenant. Genesis 49 says the same thing. He says that the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And unto him shall the, shall the, shall the garden of the people be. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. And it's from the lineage of, the, of Judah. And David started the kingship in the, the lineage of Judah. And he knows that the sure message of David. So he starts from there. And he says, you have shown your servant David my father. He is your servant, but he is my father. That's the relationship. And now he, now, he goes ahead. You have shown him great mercy. Look at the word great there. I'm interested in that word great. It's a model. What it does is it amplifies the noun that comes after it. Now he says, you have shown my father David great mercy according as he walked before thee in truth. Can you see that? He was doing what Ezekiah did. This man David, my father, walked before you in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. I love that phrase. Uprightness of heart with thee. He walked in uprightness of heart with thee. We have to do the same thing. We are talking about the anointing. Doorway into the anointing. Can you say with me? Doorway into the anointing. Can you say with me again? Doorway into the anointing. For us to assess that anointing. For us to get into the treasure house of God. Where all the beauty abound. All the promises and powers and of his glory and of his presence abound. The storehouses are always closed. The doors are always closed. It is only privy to a few people, a select few, that have access into the doorhouse. So the secrets of God, you must know. And not only knowing it, you have to do them. Blessed are you when you 
do them, not when you only know them. That's what Jesus says. So we have to do. We are looking at the doorway into the anointing. The reason is that the Bible says that the sons of God must manifest. And we are the sons of God. Sons is, is a common gender here. We are the sons of God. We are the daughters. Our sisters are the daughters of God. So, so the son, word son is used for everybody. The sons of God. The hour to manifest has come. When you see evil all over the place, that is the time that the anointing grows stronger. Praise the Lord. The anointing is only stronger when there is evil there. So that God is interested in contention, battle, conflict. That is the God we serve. Praise the Lord. He's a God of battle. That's what, that's what Exodus says concerning our God. Exodus 15 and verse, 30, and verse 3. Said the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. He fights. He's a warrior. And now, Solomon goes ahead and he says, and thou hast kept for him this great kindness. The first thing he said, great mercy. And now he comes again, great kindness. And what kindness is this? What kindness is he talking about? That you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. That's the kindness. And he calls it great kindness. In other words, I do not merit it, I know it. I stand piggybacking on my father. It's my father's throne. But I have come in his own stead to sit on the throne. And I know I do not merit it. What wonder. I love that. See, watch what he says. How carefully he has chosen his words. And now he comes. Verse 7. And now, O Lord, my God. He started with David, his father. He talked about David's uprightness. And his purity of heart. And how that he served the Lord. But he didn't end there. He now comes and personalizes God. He individualizes God. He said, you are mine. Oh Lord, my God. I, I remember the, 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 the song we normally we sing. Oh Lord, my God. Let's sing it. When I in awesome wonder consider thy words thy hands had made I see the star I hear the rolling thunder Thy power throughout Thy universe displayed Then sings my soul Solomon is saying, when you make God your God, he will be your God forever. I didn't hear you. I said, when you make God your God, he will be your God forever. 
He will fight your battles for you. He will go the extra mile for you. He will heal your sickness. He will go to your workplaces and anybody that's against you, he will stand against that person. In the name of Jesus Christ. And now, O oh Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king, or instead of David, my father. And I am but a little child. I love it. I am only a little... This is a grown-up man that fought battle. But he said, I am but a little child. What a wonder. That the place of humility in the presence of God and in the presence of men. I am but a little child. And he now says, I know not how to go out or to come in. Oh God. I don't know how to go out. I don't even know how to come in. It means hold my hands and lead me. On my own, I cannot take decision. On my own, I can, I can do nothing, oh God. Have mercy upon me. This is the prayer that God wants to hear. This is the kind of heart that God wants to hear. When your heart is poured out unto God to tell him that you are but nothing before him, he will make you something. He will make you something. In the book of Hosea 11 and 1, the Bible says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and I called my son out of Egypt. When Israel was a child, you have to be a child before him. I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. Great, 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 wonderful talk before, before God. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people. I love verse 8 and verse 9. Watch verse 8, verse 9, please. Said, and your servant is in the midst of thy people. Look at the number of times he talked about people. Which thou hast chosen. Your people, the people you have chosen, a great people. That cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Look at what he has done. I will say, God, why did he say so? He knew that his father sinned by numbering the children of Israel. And his father was punished because he did that. He flouted the ordinance of God. And they, that, that was real catastrophe and people died in their numbers. He knew that. And so he zeroes in on that to want to, you know, you know smoothing out that. And he says that. And that is very, very important. He said, a great people which that cannot be numbered nor counted for more. In other words, I am not going to do what my father did. I will not number them. I will number them. He said, give therefore thy servant an understanding of how to judge thy people. He's interested in the people. That I may discern between good and bad, or who is able to judge this thy so great a people. He was so interested in the people. So interested in the people. Was it the wisdom he was looking for? Was it a thing of wisdom? No, 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 no. A lot of people say, oh, it's wonderful wisdom. It's wisdom. <clears throat> it's beyond wisdom. There is a load of revelation entrenched in this. Now, if you go to the book of Matthew, I think it's Matthew 11, Matthew Matthew 22, Matthew 22 from 35, 35 to 40. Matthew 22, 35 to 40. If you're there, quickly read. Thou shalt love, Jesus Christ was being asked this question and then he, he, begins, to, he begins to talk to the man that, that, that asked him. And this is very important that we read. He says, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love thy Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet. Do you know what he did? Solomon zeroed in on that. First of all, the Bible says he loved, he loved the Lord with passion. Then the next thing he did, he was asking for, for wisdom. Wisdom is 
the ability to discern difference. Your ability to discern difference. He was asking for wisdom to judge the people of God because he loved them so much. He loved the people of God so much. So he had two things. The two things that we're talking about are that those steps, what moves you into the threshold of the anointing. First, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And Jesus says, this is the first and greatest commandment. He passed that exam. 1,000 rams for offering. He loved the Lord. Wonderful testimony. Then he comes, number two. When God gave him the test, he said, I am but a child. What you would do, O Lord? You have so great people. A multitude. I cannot even number them. I cannot even number them for multitude. Give me this heart. To discern between evil and between good. So that I will judge them. So there will be peace in my reign. I so love your people. That is the second commandment. And the Bible says, and the second is like unto it. The first God, then man. The house of God. And that is what we are looking at. The house of God. The love for the people of God. If you must be anointed, if you must know the deep things of God, if you must be, uh, if, if you must be heralded into the secrets of eternal God, it is very important that you love the body of Christ. That you love the brother by your side. That you love the sister by your side. That you take care of her not to hurt her feeling. Not to hurt his feeling. Not to break the house of God. Not to cause division. No, not in the house of God. Not the family of a brethren. And all through the Bible, it typifies, it's a hallmark in the life of every single person that God ever used in Scripture. I'm going to prove it. If God must use you, then you must have the heart of Jesus Christ. You must have the heart of God himself. Because he so loved his people. Praise the Lord. He so loved his people. Look at 1 Samuel 13 and 14. We were looking at 1 Samuel 13 and 14 yesterday. And I said, wonderful God, you are giving me scriptures immediately. Look at 1 Samuel 13 and verse 14. 1 Samuel 13 and Verse 14. The Bible says, but now, so if Samuel was talking to Saul. His kingdom has been rent from him. And then God had chosen a better than he. And now the Bible says, and now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. Number one, passion for God. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. One that truly loves the Lord with intensity. And then look at the second one. The Lord had commanded him to be captain over his people. Over his people. To rule his people. On the dying bed of King David in Second Samuel 23, in, from verses 1 to 3. He said, a man that must rule, he said, must have the fear of God in him. He said, must have the fear of God in him. Why? He want to rule over the people of God. If you want to be a true child of God, that love, that milk of compassion must well up within you and radiate and touch those who are around you. And that is the God that we serve. Praise the Lord. Adoration with passion towards God. Affection with compassion towards men. Jesus Christ always had compassion on people. Before he healed them, the Bible says he had compassion on her. The widow woman in Nain, Luke 7, he had compassion on her. The, the 3,000 people he fed, the Bible says he wouldn't want them to be sent away. He had compassion upon them. Compassion, compassion, compassion. Without compassion, no anointing flows. No anointing flows without compassion. 1 Corinthians 13.3 the Bible says, now abided faith, hope, and charity. This three. But the greatest of these is charity. Why charity? Why not faith? Why not hope? Now abided faith, hope, and charity. But the greatest of these is charity law. Why? Because hope is powerful. Hope is wonderful. Hope is an, an assured expectation of good in the future. An assured, that's great. 
And faith is linked to hope. Because the Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's wonderful. Great. But the Bible says, the greatest of them all is love. Why? Because the same Bible says in Galatians 5 and 6 that faith worketh by love. That even the faith you exercise without love is nothing. It is, it is, it is watered by love. It is love that champions and intensifies your faith. If you don't have the love for the person you're praying for, you're wasting your time. You're just wasting your time. You're not like our, our God. And so love is paramount, the love for the people of God. Why? God is love. The Bible didn't say God is faith. The Bible didn't say God is hope. The Bible says God is love. Love is who God is. That's the meaning. The very essence of God is love. That's the meaning. And that is why it's so important that in everything you do, if your prayer must be answered, in everything you do, if anything must happen that you know will progress you forward in the presence of God, the love for the people of God, the love for the house of God, the love for your next brother, the love for your next sister is paramount, is key. It is key in the house of God. In 1 Timothy 1.5, the Bible says, Now the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart. The end of the commandment, the fulfillment of scripture, the fulfillment of the law, the Bible says, is charity love. We are talking about love for the house of God. That will make your anointing flow, will make your prayers answered. And without it, it's impossible. It's impossible. You look at who you have not forgiven. You look at what you are doing in your closet. You look at what you are doing in the open. You look at, indeed, do you truly love God? If you truly love God, then we will see that. Jesus said, in John 13, 15, he said, I, your master, wash your feet. You ought also to wash the feet of the next brother, the next sister. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Do you know that the ministry of Jesus Christ was started with love? The Bible says Jesus Christ was being baptized and the heavens opened and God around and spoke his words. This is my only begotten son in whom I am well pleased. Love ushered him into ministry. The love of God. The love of God is so powerful. If you missed it, you have missed it. If you believe that God doesn't love you, forget your faith. Forget your prayer. Nothing will ever work. Everything is founded on the substratum of love. And you must not forget this. The love for the house of God. Do you love the brethren? Or do you desire to cause division and cause separation and strife in the midst of the people of God? It's very important. No ministry, no people have, have ever come out to separate and to cause schism and to cause division and strife. And the, the last has never been good. The last, the end has never been good. Now, Abraham knew this. Do you know Abraham knows this to so the extent that in Genesis 18 from 16 to 25, he was pleading with God. Abraham was a mighty man, father of nation, a man of faith. But how did he accomplish it? He truly loved the people of God. God was going to destroy Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zeboim. And Abraham looked at God. The Bible said the three men left and he was in the presence of God. And he said, will you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? He was pleading for them. He was pleading for the people. Will not the judge of the earth do right? What a wonderful relationship. You can't talk to God like that. You'd be frightened. But this man has so deep relationship with God that he approached God pleading for this people. What if there are 50%? What if 40? What about 30? What about 20? Let's bring it down to 10. And then he stopped there. Otherwise, maybe he would have said, let's bring it down to 1. And then he would have gotten something good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Moses knew the same thing. The children of Israel had sinned. And he said, look, Father, brought out my name from your books. If you, will not, if you will not forgive them, take out my name. Delete it from your book. God said, no, I don't do that. 
It is the one that has sinned that will have, that will have the punishment. But this man had that heart, that compassion for people, the people of God. That is where the anointing is. That is where the presence of God is. That is where the power is. And if you must have power to walk the walk of the, of, 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 of the Christian life, it means that you must draw strength from there. You must draw strength from there. Say, blot out my name. Do you know what Samuel said? The children of Israel demanded for a king. And when they did that, the Bible says Samuel went and was praying and interceding for them. Why? He loved them. He didn't want God to destroy them. God said, no, 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 no. They have not rejected you. They have rejected me. And Saul went and sinned against God. I mean, he, he kept the, the fattest of rams and, 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 and King Agag. And, and God was going to, you know, destroy Saul. The kingdom has been rent from him. And do you know that all night Samuel was praying for this Saul? And God said, why are you still praying for him when you know that I've rejected him? But that is the heart of these people who were mightily used of God. That is the heart. If you must be used of God, my brother, if you must be used of God, beloved, it means that the same compassion must well up in your heart. It must well up in your heart. Samson did the same thing. Samson, a man that had bronze and brains, he did the same thing. Do you know? He was going to, he was destroying the children of Philistines. And then the Philistines came and encamped against him. And they went, he, 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 they went to besiege, I think it's Ramoth. Ramot. And then they said, look, look, we are looking for Samson. So the children of Israel went to, you know, tie Samson. And Samson said, please, as long as you don't have anything against me, you, you, you don't, you are my brothers. You don't have anything, just tie me and give, it to them, give me to them. They did that. Say, I don't want any problem with you. You are my people. But allow me, let me have the problem with the enemy. Praise the Lord. When you have the problem with the enemy, God fights for you. God fights your battle. That's what Samuel did. David did the same thing. When David sinned against Israel, and he numbered the children of Israel, and God was wrought with David. And the Bible says that God killed the... Because he said, look, it's better for me to fall into your hands than I fall into the hands of a man. And when the children of Israel were dying in their numbers, David said, why not my family and myself destroy us and leave the people? Can you see the heart of people? This is the heart that God is looking for. And when prayers are made in this fashion, God will never forget your own prayers. When your prayers are targeted towards others, Together toward the church of God, the dying, the maimed, the blind, the one that is, you know, the one that has a problem. God will answer your prayer. It is a threshold to the anointing. Do you know, in the book of 1 Kings, Elijah, when Elijah had gathered all the days, the prophets of days, and there were contests, do you know why God answered his prayer? If you read verse 37 and 38, and I like that, 1 Kings 18, 37 and 38, it's important that we read that. It's important that we read that 1 Kings 18, 37 and 38. 37 and 38. Now it was his turn to pray. And listen to the prayer. Say, hear me, O Lord. Hear me. That these people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. That this, 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 whatever thing that is happening is not for anything, but it's for one thing, that the People's heart will be turned again to you. Wonderful. He understood scriptures. And then look at 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell. And stop there. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Hallelujah. You see, when your heart is poured out, to the cause of others, to the dying, to the suffering. You don't have any animosity, no pain, no anger against another. If you ever have a pain or anger, a cause of worry against your neighbor, your brother, your sister, this afternoon you will tell God, God, I don't want it any longer. For too long the enemy has used me as a pawn, but as from this day, in the name of Jesus, because I refuse him, I'm going to say it. Praise the Lord. The same thing happened to Ezekiah. In 2 Kings 
21 to 5. I just read, and this is, uh, I just read, uh, I think it's verse 5. 2 Kings 21 to 5. 2 Kings 21 to 5. Now, here Ezekiah was sick unto death, and the, uh, the, the, the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, had been there and said, Look, God said, set your house in order. The Bible says Ezekiah turned his face to the wall and he began to pray. And he began to pray. And he continued to pray. And the Bible says in verse 5, let's say verse 4. And it came to pass after Isaiah was gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, Turn again and tell Ezekiah the captain of my people. I love the captain of my people. Which means of all the prayers Ezekiah made, what God was looking for was the fact that Ezekiah had a testimony that he ruled his people so well. Ezekiah, the captain of my people. I love that. I love that. I love that. Paul did the same thing. Paul was shedding tears in Acts 20. Acts 20. In Acts 20. Paul was shedding tears and crying because he was going to leave. And because he was going to leave, in verse 27, he now said, For I have not shown to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourself and to all the flock over which the Lord, the Holy Ghost, had made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. My God, he loved the church of God. And then he says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own self shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Paul was, you know, his heart was bleeding for the house of God. So God mightily used him. Jesus Christ had compassion on so many people. So many people. And tonight, also this afternoon, I'm going to ask God, give me a heart to love your people. Give me a heart to love your people indeed. And as you begin to do that, the message of God will come. Whether it's Mark 16, Jesus Christ promised this sign shall follow them that believe. If you go to 15, he said, we'll go and preach the gospel. It is in preaching the gospel that the signs will follow. It is in talking to the people, witnessing to the people, bringing souls to the kingdom that the signs will come. The same thing God spoke to Job when he was, the Bible says in Job 42 and verse 10 that God, he turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. He didn't say his enemies. When he prayed for his friends. Can we now rise up? Can we rise up to pray? Hallelujah. 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 The anointing of God is here. The presence of God is here. Whoever that has anything against you, whoever that has hurt you in whatever fashion, it doesn't matter. Jesus died on Calvary Cross. The pains, the excruciating pains he bore on our behalf. He said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Stephen did the same thing. And he saw Jesus Christ Standing up at the right hand of the glory of God, of the glory of God. Can you talk to God and say, Father, I want your anointing. I want your power. I want your presence. I am ready to obey you. I am ready to follow this cause. I am ready to single out my life to follow this cause. The Bible says they overcame him in Revelation 12 and verse 7. The Bible, verse 11. The Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their life to the death. Can you pray? Can you ask God for his mercy? Can you ask God for his mercy? I want to see that the anointing of God will increase in your life. That the message of God will begin to increase in your life. That your prayers shall be answered prayers. That we hear many more testimonies at the pulpit of God in the name of Jesus Christ. That we begin to say these words. That the hand of God will rest upon you forever. That those things you have desired, though years have come and years have gone, it does not matter. The God we serve is not late. He is never late and he's here. And I want to tell you that in the name of Jesus Christ, he will do a new thing in your life. He will do a new thing in your life. He will cause you to grow in his hands. Father, we give you praise. We give you worship. Hallelujah.
continuing attitude of prayer. Let's ask God for his mercy. For whatever has pulled us out, out of anger, out of hatred, out of no love for others, all that has drawn out the anointing of God that has made it of no effect, let's ask God by his mercy to visit us this day. The Lord has spoken to us. Let's open our hearts even to hacking and to do. Doing is what brings the blessing of the Lord. Let's open our hearts this day to do his word that we have heard, that we will not walk out without his blessing. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. King of glory, Lord of love, mighty and everlasting Father, we thank you for this hour. We thank you for all that you have done. We thank you for speaking to us this day. Father, O oh Lord, all that we need to enter into the doorway that will bring anointing into our life. Father, release unto us this day in the name of Jesus. Lord, the power to be doers of your word. Father, release unto us in the name of Jesus. Grace, O Lord, let it abound for us to be able to do all your will in the name of Jesus. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Father, we thank you for your son. We ask, O Lord, that you will keep him by your power in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you will cause him to speak of your word every moment of his life in the name of Jesus. Glory be unto your name, O Lord. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. I share the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, with us now and forevermore. Amen. Assuredly, goodness and mercy shall follow all the days of the Lord, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. The Lord will satisfy you with favor this week. And you will have the fullness of his blessing. In the name of Jesus. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. All fear is gone. Because I know. Because I know. I know he holds my future. And life is worth the living death Because he lives Let's sing that again Because he lives I can face tomorrow Because he lives All fear is gone Because I know I know he holds my future Life is worth the living just because he lives. And life is worth the living just because he lives. One more time. And life is worth the living just because he lives.